if you're able to, if you would stand with me in honor of God's word, in honor of God as we read his word together. But going to begin in verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. You may be seated. May God encourage us through the reading of his word this morning. Father, we are grateful to you for your word. We recognize this morning that your word is is gracious to us. We recognize this morning that as we're dealing with a text on on disagreement and and departure and and ministry from one another, we recognize that there are, are many here this morning who have gone through this, maybe you are going through this now, we pray that you would be glorified in our lives. As we think about conflict that we've endured and conflict perhaps that we've even been guilty of, of participating in, we, we believe that you, by your grace, as, as you call us to yourself, you'll allow us uh, to, to pursue ministry for your glory, even in our imperfections and our weakness, our frailty, our sin. Give us your grace as we look at your word together this morning and, and prepare our hearts as we partake of your supper here uh, toward the end of, of our time of worship this morning. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Uh, every other year since 2006, there's been a conference called Together for the Gospel that's met. And over the last few years, it's met in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's always a, a, I enjoy going to this conference. It's, it's a neat time. Basically, it's, it's made up of a bunch of people from different denominations and some different backgrounds who are all committed to the gospel and committed to some, some major doctrines that we all as believers have in common. Their statement says this, where we have our differences, we're committed to the main thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, over the last two, four years, maybe even a little bit longer, there have been some, some divisions within the conference, or the conference has gone through various struggles and, and things like that. And, and that's understandable. You know, they haven't, they, they've weathered some of the same storms that all of us have over the last two years or so. But I, I, I appreciate what they're, they're attempting to do, even though it's hard. They're attempting to say, look, we all agree on, on the gospel. We, we agree on, on, the, on the main things that God calls us to agree. These, these big doctrines were in agreement, and we recognize that even though we, we agree on these, these big things, we recognize that there are some areas that we have disagreements on. And these disagreements, we don't want to minimize, the disagreements are so great that we, we really we can't be in, in the same local church together practically. So for example, you have some people who are part of this, this conference, and, and they practice uh, infant baptism or, or pedo baptism, so they're they're baptizing uh, babies when they're very young, and then and then others are, are believers baptism, uh, credo baptism, and so you know you you can't 
be in the same church if you say, look, we, we must baptize infants and we absolutely can only baptize people who've made professions of faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, just practically, you, you can't be in the same congregation. But what can you do? You can say, look, we believe that we're both committed to the gospel and we want to share unity as we're able to. And so, so we're able to, to have something like this conference and other things as well. But as the, the conference struggles show and some of the, the struggles that have happened is, is they, they try to do this conference and people disagree with, with various things. As, as, that, as that struggle shows, the, the attempt to pursue unity is, is a difficult one. The, the reality of, of disunity and, and division is, is, is ever-present. Sad reality is that due to our, our finite understanding of Scripture as, as frail human beings and our finite ability to apply Scripture perfectly, because of those limitations, there are going to be disagreements that happen among believers who all love the Lord and love one another. In fact, as we've, we've gone through Acts, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, we've talked a lot about what to do when we're dealing with disagreements of first-tier big doctrines, gospel of doctrines. We've, we've talked about how we, we, have to, we have to stand firm on those doctrines. So a, a person denies the gospel, they add to the gospel, they take away from the gospel, they encourage people to live in ways that are contradictory to the gospel. We've been very clear, look, we, 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 we can't tolerate that. There has to be separation from those people. And that separation reveals that we are, we're not in unity on, on the most important things. We can't even call people who disagree with us on the gospel believers in good conscience. And so we've, we've talked about how to handle those things, the, the necessity of dealing with those things in a gentle yet firm way. And we've ta- also talked about how to handle kind of like third-level doctrines, issues of, or, or issues, third, issues of preference. So I have this opinion about how to do something, you have this opinion about how to do something, and how do we deal with that? Well, I'm, I'm going to prefer you. I'm, I'm going to try to do what's, what's best for you in a way that, that cares for you. But this morning, as we look at this conflict between Barnabas and Paul, men who are incredibly godly men, as we look at this type of conflict, we see that there are some issues that are a little harder for us to to figure out what to do in. Because you have two men who are absolutely committed to the gospel and yet also want to be obedient to God, and they have different understandings of how to be obedient to God. And that's going to happen in our lives as well. These issues are sometimes harder to, to figure out exactly how to handle. Here's what Gavin Ortland, uh, Ortland writes in his book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On. I, I referenced this book some weeks ago. He says this, there, there are some differences that lead to practical differences in how we do church in our ministry. And these differences are such that attempting formal unity amid our different convictions will often lead to divisiveness, confusion, and violations of conscience. And for these reasons, it's sometimes understandable and appropriate, though ultimately regrettable, that Christians divide over these issues in certain contexts. So there's, there's sometimes where people are going to have to worship in different places, or they're going to have to not do ministry together in certain settings because of different convictions that believers have about how to walk in obedience to God. Now, we're talking here about two men, two men who've risked their lives for Christ. One's the greatest missionary the world has ever known. 
The other is the one who welcomed the greatest missionary the world has ever known into the church in Jerusalem. And if these two men come to a point where they are in disagreement with one another, how much more likely is it for you and I to find ourselves in situations where we, we have to come to the realization, look, we're, we're not going to be in unity with other people who also love the Lord in this issue. How, how do we handle that? How do we handle that emotionally? How do we handle that practically? How do we think about that theologically? That's what I want us to think about this morning. I want us to think about, some of us are in this situation. We've, we've come to Bethany Community Church, perhaps. You've come to Bethany Community Church the last couple of years, and, and you came from a church context in which you loved the people that were there, and yet you kind of came to this point where there, there, some sort of something was going to have to take place. You, you couldn't honor the Lord the way that he, you believe that he was calling you to minister to him and to, to walk in obedience and at the same time stay at the church. Or, or maybe there's even been like this, this ministry situation you're in where you, you love the people you're ministering with and yet there, there's, there's disunity on how to, how to proceed. How do you handle that emotionally, theologically, practically? We're going to think about that this morning. Here's the main thing that I want us to, to consider, the main idea of hope as we look at these types of disagreements. Here, here's what I want us to see. God will be glorified. God will be glorified, and his church will be strengthened as we persevere in faithfulness, even in the midst of disagreements with brothers and sisters. So because of my, my finite ability to understand reality, because of my finite ability to apply Scripture perfectly, I'm, I'm not going to always understand how to apply Scripture perfectly in every situation. You also are not. But as we come to these moments where there's disagreement, where as I try to walk in, in good conscience before the Lord and you try to do the same thing, we're going to have this disagreement. My hope, my belief is that God will continue to be glorified. His church will be strengthened as we persevere in faithfulness, even in the midst of disagreement. So let's, let's think through this this morning. And then we're going to end by, by partaking of the Lord's Supper together, which I think is very appropriate. But here, here's kind of five, five thoughts about what's happening here to help us understand these types of disagreements. Here's the first thought. Number one. These disagreements occur between believers who share a common goal. So, so these disagreements that, he's des- that we're describing here are not disagreements between believers who don't love the Lord, or one, one does and one doesn't. They're, they're between believers who share a common goal. Look at what the text says in verse 36. It says, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and, and see how they are. And, and Barnabas thinks this is a good idea as well. So some days here, that, that phrase is an indication in Acts that a new section is, is, has begun. And before we talk about their disagreement, I, I want you to see the great unity that exists. They have the same overarching goal to be faithful to the commission that God has given them. Now, there are times where we separate from people, as we've talked about, who, who don't acknowledge the gospel. First John, John talks about people who leave the church, and as they leave the church, it shows that they weren't truly part of the community of faith, but that's not the case here. These are, these are rock-solid believers. They're, they're, they're people who are committed to the Great Commission. They're committed to the, the commission that Christ gives them in Acts 1.8. In fact, not only do they have the same overarching goal, they also have the same secondary goal. Paul's, Paul's uh, does, Paul's desire to go and visit the brothers in every city is, is a desire that Barnabas shares. Let's, let's see, he says, the, how they are, or, or what it says there is the, how they're holding up, how their, their, their state or condition is. It's a, it's a good goal to have, and both of them have it. Um, you're, you're a parent. You have a 
child that you want to see how they're doing. That's a good thing to want. Uh, Whitney and I are, are in this the stage of parenting, you know, where we have one daughter off in, in Texas, and so we sometimes we, we call her to check on her condition. And there's there's sometimes where those phone calls you're more concerned when you hang up the phone than you were when you dialed the phone, right? Like, like we, we, called, uh, we called this last week, and every sentence, is a short conversation, but every sentence made us more concerned than we were when we started the phone call, right? So like, uh, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I, I, I just missed my knee appointment with the doctor. Oh, you have a knee appointment. Um, what's wrong? Oh, well, it's not a big deal. I forgot about it because I've been so sick. <laughs> oh, well, you're, you're sick. Well, that's, sorry to hear that. Oh, I'm not even thinking about it because of how busy I am. And, da, 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 and it was like, ah, oh, you're just, and, and then, oh, I got to go. Oh, oh dear. I got to go, got to go. Bye. Okay, how far is it to Texas? Um, you know, <laughs> But, you know, you have, as, a, as a parent, you have those, those concerns, you know, how they're doing, what's going on. We would talk to her later. She's fine, okay? For, for those of you who are worried, she's doing great. She wasn't doing great Monday, I think. But I still don't know everything that was going on, but, you know. But you, you, it's a good desire, and, and that's the desire here. Now, remember the situation Paul has left these churches in. Remember, the, he's talking about churches in the kind of that southern Galatia area and surrounding regions. And remember what happened. On the missionary journey, he left these churches in, in some very fragile places. Remember, as he left, he says he, he left them into the care of the Lord. He, he entrusted them to elders and, and the care of the Lord. But he's leaving them in areas where the, the Jews in the surrounding areas had kind of incited, like in Lystra, they incited people to, to, to stone him. And so he leaves those areas, and he's leaving these new believers in areas where they're in physical danger. And Paul is wondering, how are they doing? Are they, are they holding on? Are they holding fast to the, the teaching that we gave them? Not only would he be concerned about their physical danger, there have been some, some doctrinal errors creep into this area as well. It's why he wrote the book of Galatians. And so Judaizers have come through these communities. Paul has evangelized, and these Judaizers have come back through these communities and said, hey, no, no, you need to become Jewish to, to really be a part of Christ's church. And so Paul is down here and saying, I, I wonder how the church is doing. I wonder how they're doing physically. I wonder how they're doing spiritually. He and Barnabas are both concerned. How are they holding up? So here's bottom line. What I want you to see, they have a common goal. It's not like one wants to do something bad and the other wants to do something good and they're at a disagreement because of those reasons. They both have the same overarching desire to glorify God, to pursue the Great Commission. And they also have a, a good secondary goal to, to see how these new believers are holding up. There's no indication that this is a flesh-driven disagreement. And there should be some hope in that. We're frail. We're human. Our understanding is not perfect, and so we're going to sometimes make some, some wrong calls as we try to be faithful. But if our overarching desire is a, is a good desire, and we're driven ultimately by a desire to glorify God in all things and in all circumstances, we can be confident that there are some pretty significant guardrails in place. Whenever I was a uh, a little kid, my, my grandparents used to take me and my brother sometimes to the go-karts. And, 
And one of the frustrating things for me as a kid were, were, were a couple things about these go-karts. One, the governor on them, right? It, it prevented you from going too fast. And secondly, the guardrails and the tires on the track. I mean, that thing could have been a lot more fun without those guardrails. I mean, we had some plans that didn't come to fruition, right? We're going we're gonna to make some mistakes as believers. We're going to make some bad mistakes. We're going to make some wrong calls in ministry. We're going to come to the point with other good believers who love God and love each other that we're going to have to part ways. But if, if kind of the guardrails are in place, we have believers who are committed to the glory of God and to the, the great commission, what God has called us to do, it's going to prevent a lot of disasters. Paul, as he reflects on his life's purpose in Philippians 1, he says, look, for, for me to live is Christ. And, and because, he's, because of that, he says, I'm, I'm confident as he thinks about remaining. I'm going to remain and continue with you all. And he says, for your progress and joy in the faith. If our overarching desire, if someone asks you, okay, what, what's the main purpose of your life? Why, why do you exist? What are you trying to accomplish with your life? If you can say, look, the, the reason that I exist, the reason that I live is so that I can glorify God in whatever context he's placed me. So he's, he's placed me here at Caterpillar. He's placed me here in the medical field. He's placed me here in the school. He's placed me here at, at home. He's placed me here in this neighborhood. Wherever I am, I know that my ultimate purpose is to glorify God. That's my, my ultimate goal and I want to, to give of myself so that others can come to know him and worship him and experience the joy of relationship with him, that's going to solve a lot of problems. It's going to prevent you from going off in a lot of really unhealthy, bad directions. It doesn't mean that disagreements won't take place. It doesn't mean that divisions in ministry won't occur, but it's going to prevent a lot of bad things from happening. So we'll see that in the story. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Number two, these disagreements occur between believers who have biblically informed but incompatible understandings of how to achieve that common goal. So the common goal is the same. We want to glorify God. We want to pursue this mission that he's given us. We want to see how the churches are doing. But they have biblically informed but incompatible understandings of how to achieve that common goal. You say, what, what exactly does that mean? Well, by biblically informed, I mean... It, 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 let me say this, by biblically informed, I don't mean that they have a perfect understanding of how to apply scripture, but at least they're, the, the things that they're trying to do are, are good and, and biblical goals. So it says here in verse 37, look, look what it says. It says, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now, remember what we're talking about here? We're talking about what happened on the first missionary journey. So they left Cyprus. They began to go into the region of southern Galatia. And John Mark, just he, he leaves and he goes back to Jerusalem. Not quite sure why, but he, he abandons them. And so now... The, the decision is, do we bring John Mark with us or not? And you can imagine Barnabas and Paul talking to one another and, and each having some, some pretty biblically sound reasons for doing what they want to do. Barnabas is talking to Paul and Paul says, look, let's not take John Mark. That guy abandoned us. Remember how he, he left us high and dry as we're getting ready to enter this difficult stretch? That guy didn't, didn't encounter suffering and listening. You know, I'm the one who was left outside for dead. He didn't c continue with us in the work. 
that this guy's not qualified to engage in this ministry. And imagine what Barnabas says in, re- in response. Look, Paul, you, you just wrote this letter to the Galatians, right? Yeah. You remember what your letter said? Yes. Yeah. Barnabas says to Paul, look, your, your letter said that if anyone has caught any transgression, you are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And, and so let's, let's restore John Mark. Brew of the Spirit. I love that part of, of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let's, let's restore John. Let's bring John Mark. And then Paul had some good reasons to say no. Paul says, look, Barnabas, yeah, I, I love John, John Mark. I love your cousin, John Mark. <laughs> he probably didn't say that. That's a little passive aggressive. I, 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 love, I, love, I love John Mark too. But you remember what happened with John. He, he, he abandoned us. And forgiving him doesn't mean entrusting the same ministry to him. And, and just restoration to relationship doesn't mean restoration to all ministry. You believe, as I do, that this is a very serious ministry. We need someone who's going to be able to, to with, withstand persecution. And, and this is going to be a, a tough one. There's going to be physical danger that the people are going to be ready for us this time. There's not going to be like the, the same situation we encountered the first time. There may be worse things. This is not the guy for this ministry. Those are both biblical arguments. But they're also incompatible. You can't both bring John Mark and not bring John Mark. It's not Schrodinger's cat or something. You can't can't be both there and not there. It's inevitable that Christians are going to disagree based on their understanding of Scripture and and how to be obedient. So so how do we we handle that? You know, it's interesting. As you read the commentary, there there are kind of three opinions as, as as to who's right. The first opinion is that Barnabas, Barnabas is right. And people said, well, Barnabas is right because John Mark ultimately proves to be very faithful. And so Barnabas was right to, to want to encourage him. I, I, I tend to think that's not necessarily a reason to, to think that Barnabas is right. God uses all sorts of circumstances. That's not a slam dunk for me. The, the second argument will be, well, well, Paul was right. Because it's interesting that the church commends Paul to the, to the ministry and not necessarily Barnabas. And so maybe Paul was the one who was right here. Others would also his, his authority as, as a unique apostle, so perhaps. And others would say, look, there's no way of knowing. Luke is pretty discreet here, so there's no way of knowing for sure who was in the right in this disagreement. I, I tend to think it was either Paul or you can't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure either. Um, maybe I'm supposed to know, but my understanding of Scripture isn't perfect either. So I, I, I tend to think it's, it's, it's hard to know for sure who was in the right here. But regardless... Regardless, the, the thing that I want us to see is, look, there are going to be these times where this happens. You have two groups of believers or two believers. They both have some biblically informed opinions, but they're incompatible. You, you can't simultaneously do both. It doesn't mean that Scripture is at fault. It means that my ability to, to grasp and understand Scripture is, is the issue. So, so what do we do? My encouragement would first of all be this. We need to strive to make sure our convictions are biblical. So often the case, whenever 
we're at disagreements with, with, our, with our Christians, it's easy to get emotions involved in this and say, well, well this is what I think, and, and I think this because this is what my dad thought, and, and his dad thought this too, and, and uh, this is what my church tradition is, and, and this is what uh, this really smart guy uh, wrote in a book that I read, or this is what my mom thought, and, and, and that, those aren't very good reasons to have the convictions we have whenever, whenever other believers disagree with us. We need to say, okay, what does Scripture say? So as I think about... Uh, the sign gifts, or I think about baptism, or I think about the, the role of, of women in the church, or I think about how to, to handle uh, the, the Lord's Supper, or whatever it is, I'm going to say, okay, here's what Scripture says, and, and I, I understand my convictions to be based on my best ability to honor God on the basis of my understanding of what God's Word says. So we need to study it carefully. And then also, the other encouragement would be just humility, Right? Humility and gentleness as we encounter these, these differences. You know, Paul would not say to Barnabas, oh, I, I see you don't care about holiness, and so that's why you want to bring that, that deserter. And Barnabas doesn't say to Paul, oh, I see you don't believe in forgiveness in the gospel. That's why you don't want to bring John Mark. That's not how they're going to respond to one another. It's going to be humility. They, they think the other person's wrong. They think Paul isn't applying the gospel right, per, perhaps. Barnabas thinks, or Paul thinks, Perhaps that Barnabas isn't understanding the enormity of the, the ministry, but there's, we need to avoid the, the arrogance to, to think that we're the only people who can, or we're not the people who can potentially make mistakes. But here's a situation where there is, there is incompatible understandings, biblically informed, but incompatible understandings, which leads us to the next thing, right, about these types of disagreements. Third, these disagreements lead to irreconcilable differences for ministry efforts. Look at the first part of verse 39. It says, And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Now, now notice there's, there's two halves of the first part of verse 39. The first half is this, this sharp disagreement. And that phrase, sharp disagreement, is a word that we translate that, that means rousing or stirring. And, and the word can be used positively or negatively. So it's used positively in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, where it talks about stirring one another up to love and good deeds. But, but here, negatively, it, it means stirring up in the sense of irritation or frustration, exasperation. So there's this sharp disagreement that arises, and so there's this conversation that's taking place and it doesn't, I don't take this necessarily mean that it's a, a sinful conflict, but it's, it's, there's this distress at this situation where two believers are trying to honor and be obedient to the Lord, and there's this, this frustration that they can't come to a common understanding about how to do so. And you can imagine, again, that conversation going back and forth as one says, well, remember this, and the other says, yes, well, remember this. I, I agree with that, but also this. I agree with that, but also this. And there's, there's no common understanding of how to approach this specific situation, and so it's this sharp disagreement. And then the next half of the verse, notice it says, so that they separated from each other. No amount of compromise is going to bridge the gap that exists between them and simultaneously allow them to be obedient to the Lord on this issue. And so there's, there's no other option. They've talked about it. They've gotten frustrated about the conversation. And they can't simultaneously come to agreement and honor the Lord to the best of their understanding. And so they, they separate. 
Here are a couple thoughts that I want you to think through as you think about this point in, in needing to separate from another believer or a church or a ministry partnership. A couple thoughts here. I think uh, four or five thoughts. Number, number one, the decision, is, the decision to separate is not made lightly. The, the, decision, the decision to separate between believers in a church or in a ministry and a partnership it's, it's not made lightly. It's, it's a heavy thing to decide to do. I can remember whenever I was a, a youth pastor, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but there was someone who, not all that surprisingly, was, was concerned with some decision that I had made as a youth pastor. You know, I, I was very young and you know, sometimes made some bad decisions, or uh, you know, not, not like morally bad, but just kind of like a some sort of ministry. And I, I didn't handle the, the interaction well. Like, this is what we're going to do. And they said, well, I think that's a bad idea. I'm like, ah, what do you know? Uh, so, something kind of like that, unfortunately. And, and so they, I think they actually left the church about it. And, and uh, you know, so the senior, my boss comes to talk to me about this and, and says, you know, how'd you handle this? I said, hey, Rich, you know, Sometimes it's just an Acts 15 situation. Am I right? <laughs> and he's like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> like, this, is, this isn't something you just say, well, I think A and you think B. See you later. This is a big deal. It's not something that we do lightly. The decision to separate is not made lightly. Christ desires his people to be in one accord. And so if it's an issue of preference, if it's an issue at all in which we can seek unity, we're going to do so. Which brings me to the second thing. Number two, the decision to separate is driven by a desire to please the Lord, not ourselves. The decision to separate is, is driven by a desire to please the Lord, not ourselves. In other words, I'm not saying, well, you want to do A, and, and I want to do B, and A just sounds really inconvenient for me, so I'm just going to do B, and, you know, Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas, they loved each other too. No, it, I'm going, my, my desires, look, I can't do what you desire to do and still please the Lord in my ministry. That, that, that's where we're at. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying your convictions aren't, aren't good faith convictions, but I, I think you're wrong. I think you're seriously wrong on this issue. And, and so I, I can't do, I can't prefer you in this area, and so we're going to have to do something different. I was talking to a pastor recently who had experienced just a very sad rift with another pastor with whom he'd been, he'd been so close for many, many years. And as we talked about it, there, you could just see there was no excitement in his voice as he talked about where they were because of this difference. He had wounded the other pastor deeply, and he says, look, um, there's nothing else I could have done and been confident that I was obeying the Lord. And furthermore, I'm confident that, that what I did was the best for that person too. In other words, as he did this decision that he knew was going to cause this relational rift, he says, I'm, I'm doing this confident that I'm doing it for that other person as well. So the decision, to make, the decision to separate, it's not made lightly. It's done by desire to please the Lord, not ourselves. Number three, the decision to separate is, is sad. I mean, years of fruitful ministry has, has, has come, to, come to an end here between Paul and, and Barnabas. And think about all the things that exist in that relationship between Paul and Barnabas. They had planted churches together. They had been in, involved in, in 
discipleship together. They had gone on the first missionary trip together. These men had been through so much together, and now that, that ability to, to continue together was, was coming to an end. So it's sad. Number four, a fourth thought here, it's, it's temporary. The decision to separate is, is temporary. They're not burning bridges. We're going to see that they are brought back into relationship. So we recognize that even if it's long-term from a human perspective, in terms of our lifespan, in terms of eternity, this is a, this is a temporary decision. And another thing to think about here, it's this decision to separate is accompanied by godly relational commitments. It's, it's interesting. Luke's words here are so wise. We don't know. Maybe there's some hints that he's on Paul's side a little bit, but, but we don't know for sure what Luke was thinking. He doesn't gossip. He doesn't say, well, and then Barnabas uh, threw a temper tantrum because that's how Barnabas is. You know Barnabas, son of an encourager, but man, can he throw a temper tantrum? Uh, you know, th- there's, there's none of that. And so as, as Paul and Barnabas break fellowship for a moment in terms of this ministry, there's, there's relational commitments. There's no gossip. There's no desire to poison others against a person. That there's, there's a focus on the issue over which, which there's disagreement and commitment to be careful in communication. Okay, that brings us to the fourth thing I want us to think about. Fourth is this, as we look at the rest of verse 39 through 41. These disagreements do not prevent believers from pursuing God-glorifying ministries. So, they have this conflict, this disagreement, and it tells us they had to separate ways. And it says that Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So Barnabas goes to Cyprus. Remember, that's where Barnabas is from. And maybe John Mark had relatives there as well. And, and good things happen there. They, they accomplish what they desire to accomplish. They're, they're strengthening the churches, presumably, there on the island of Cyprus. And Luke is going to draw our attention through the next few chapters and really through the rest of the book of Acts to Paul and and his ministry and much of that being done with Silas. And God does incredible things through that ministry. He he essentially doubles their efforts. As they kind of go, as, as Paul and Silas are going to go on their journey, they're going to follow the kind of a reverse path that he and Barnabas had taken year. Uh, the, the previous years, and, and now they're, they're strengthening the churches. They're, they're committed by the church, and then they're, they're going through this region strengthening the churches. God has maximized gospel proclamation. And, and the point that I want to make here is that people who desperately want to glorify God with their lives ultimately will do so, even as we do so imperfectly, even as we do, through, do so through fits and starts. Ultimately, God's going to be gracious and allow us to proclaim the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that disagreements are justified. It doesn't mean that whenever God uses us, we say, well, I guess that means that I was right in that conflict. We had this conflict, I did A, they did B, and A worked out well, so I guess I was right. Or B didn't work out well, so I guess that they were wrong. Or both worked out well, so I guess God wanted us to have this this disagreement. No, it just means that God is gracious. Just like Barnabas can't point to the suffering that Paul goes through and say, well, you should have stuck with me. Neither can Paul say, well, look what God did in my life. You should have followed what I said to do. Even in the midst of making potentially wrong decisions, we can trust 
that God is going to be faithful. God is going to be faithful despite our frailties. Let me just be kind of transparent here. Um, unlike normal, I don't know. So, uh, and, and maybe I've shared some of this before, but it used to really, really deeply bother me when people would leave the church. It, it just kind of keep you up at night sort of thing, right? And I, I'd ask myself questions like, what did I do? You know, especially if they'd just gone to another church in the area. Like, what did I do? Did I, you know, did I, I just not preach well? Did I, did I not love well? What could I have done differently? Maybe if I just, you know, called them another time. Or, or, and then I thought, well, how do I, as they leave, is there, is there a way to kind of communicate better to them? And, and it just, it was just deeply troubled me. You know, one time you, should I share this? Uh, one, one time even, uh, you know, I was talking to a person and uh, my eyes watered a little bit as they were leaving. And like, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll stay. And, they, and I thought, really, that's all it takes, huh? Uh, <laughs> crying's the answer. They ended up leaving anyway. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, like, it, it, used, to, it used to bother me. It's still, I still love it, but, but it still, you know, there's sadness. But I, I think I've now been a pastor long enough to realize, oh, you know what? That was good a lot of times. I, I, maybe I was wrong in a situation. May, maybe God was just calling them to a different place. God's used them in, in, in some areas where they were not being used at Bethany Community Church. God has been glorified far more as, the, as they've left than perhaps he would have been if, if they had stayed. I don't understand that. I don't like that. But, but I, I just trust the Lord with that. Someday, uh, the, the family who left our church because they felt like our, our worship was, was too expressive and, and myself we're going to worship in eternity and sing the exact same song. And, and you know who else is going to be there? The family who left our church because we weren't expressive enough, right? We're all going to be there worshiping the Lord together. And, and the disagreements we have now don't prevent us, as we say, okay, I'm, I want to pursue God and glorify him with my life. They don't prevent us from doing so. God doesn't fail, neither does his word. This is my great hope, and I hope your comfort this morning as well. As, as God says in Isaiah 55, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and spring and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And as you and I are committed to that great truth, that God will be faithful, God will use his word, God will grow his people, we can be confident even in the midst of disagreements that bring us sadness and sorrow. Here's the last thing that I want us to touch on. It's beyond this text, but continues the story. The, the fifth thing to encourage us with is that these disagreements, these types of disagreements, don't mean the end of shared relationships in ministry. These disagreements that end at times and say, we, we need to part ways for a moment, don't end the story. They don't mean the end of shared relationships in and ministry. We, we've talked before about what happens in this situation. Paul and Barnabas are, are restored relationally. First Corinthians, Paul would talk about Barnabas as, as a fellow worker and talk about their shared ministry. So Paul and Barnabas's 
ministry together doesn't end with this disagreement. Mark would be with Paul when he writes Philemon. He would call Mark his dear son later in 1 Peter, and his opinion of Mark is quite high when he says in 2 Timothy, with some of the last words that Paul writes in Scripture, he says, get Mark, bring him with you to me, for he is very useful for ministry. How, how beautiful is that? You know, we're, we're finite. We, we have, we have this, this exact... We're in, this, we're in this moment of time. We're bound by time in terms of our ability to perceive where we are. And, and so sometimes as we think about disagreements with other believers, it, it can seem so overwhelming. We're, we're, we have this dis, different understanding of this issue, and we can think it's, it's, it's all over now, and, and we can just feel this sense of despair. But the reality is it's, it's temporary. And God restores broken people. God restores hurt relationships. And, and you and I are, are both here at this moment in time, but we're not where we're going to be in the future. But both of us aren't. Over and over again, I can think about in, in my ministry, God's continued work in me and other people that's just brought us times where we've had to go different ways for ministry and then brought us back together and sometimes took us this way and that way. Here, here's three thoughts for you to consider and then a couple applications. One, just your story's not yet completed, Right? God is, is still sanctifying you. There are things about God and his character that you haven't even begun to grasp. The, our understanding of God is, is just so minimal and his, his greatness and his worth and his, his attributes are, are so infinite that we are going to spend all of eternity understanding him more and more and growing in deepness of our understanding of him. Your story is not yet finished. And, and a, a second encouragement is someone else's story is not yet finished. As, as you think about this person with whom you're having this, this relational issue, they have so much more to learn about God, and God is going to take them in, in places that are hard, in places that are beautiful, in places that are sad. And as God brings them to those along that journey, they're going to find out some things, some hard ways. They're going to find out some, some things about who they are and who God is. And you're not going to walk with them on this part of the journey, but God is going to be with them in that, and God is going to bring them to a deeper understanding of who he is through that journey journey, that you can't walk with them. And so you, you, you trust them to the Lord. Paul walks away from Barnabas. He, he entrusts them to the Lord. God's, God's going to deal with him well and faithfully. And, and the third encouragement is that your shared story isn't over yet, right? Your shared story isn't. If, if a person is a genuine believer, they're making a bad, what you think is a really serious, wrong decision, your shared story isn't over yet. You're going to have a far longer time of shared ministry glorifying the Lord together with another believer than you will a temporary story, temporary part of the story where you're separated. With that in mind, here would be the four encouragements to you as you think about this. One, be humble. We talked about that already. Two, be hopeful. So you think about separation in ministry. Be humble, be hopeful, be gracious with those with whom you disagree, and be forgetful. You know, <laughs> be forgetful. One time I, I heard someone was in the hospital. I went to visit them. I had completely forgotten that there had been a conflict. <laughs> had completely forgotten. And God used that hospital visit to, to bring restoration between 
them and some other people with whom there have been some, some disagreements. They'd, they'd left the church. and Great time of fellowship because I'm forgetful. <laughs> Be forgetful. Trust one another to the Lord. Encourage yourself in the truth that God is going to be faithful. The divisions in the church have never seemed greater than than maybe they do right now. Honest convictions among those who desire to honor God in their lives, some of these divisions have never seemed greater. Our confidence is what? God will be glorified. His church will be strengthened as we persevere in faithfulness, even in the midst of disagreements with brothers 